The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash earnings right now. netsuite.com slash earnings. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I take full responsibility for everything this government has been doing in tackling coronavirus, and I'm very proud of our record. Tens of thousands of our citizens have died avoidably. These were unnecessary deaths because of systematic government misconduct. With good British common sense, we will continue to defeat this virus and take this country forward. There were a lot of green shoots of opportunity on the horizon. You know, we've been held down on the forest floor for far too long, and we will reach that canopy again. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Sebastian Salik. And a very good afternoon. I'm Roger Hearing. Well, the main thing on the agenda today, of course, is Rishi Sunak's speech. He's going to unveil his latest spending package to support the economy through its deepest slump in centuries. The centrepiece is a £2 billion scheme to pay the wages of more than 200,000 young workers. But there's a lot else in it, much of which we've already heard, Seb. Uh, Yeah, it's all this stuff around stamp duty. We're expecting possibly, according to several newspaper reports, a stamp duty holiday for homes costing up to half a million pounds. Uh, The other thing that has been mooted is a temporary VAT cut to boost the hospitality sector. So they're all things, as you say, that have been discussed for quite a while. Today is the day we find out exactly what is in that package. But it's been very carefully media managed this week, hasn't it? Every day we've had a new headline, a new very large sum of money pledged for something or other. Uh, Well, let's talk about all of this now with Jamie Stone. He's the Liberal Democrat MP for Caithness, Sutherland and Easter Ross. So, Jamie, another big pledge today. Is the Chancellor getting this right? I, the, the best side of me says I sincerely hope so. But what really concerns me is we, uh, we think there are at least 3 million people, as the term is, excluded from any form of safety net. They've fallen through the floorboards. These are people who've had no help whatsoever from HM government. And uh, we formed the cross-party group yesterday in the House of Commons. We had a record 192 MPs join it from all parties, from all sides of all parties. And uh, we are going to work really hard on this. But I, I, I do so hope that Rishi will refer to this today and look at some way of reaching out to these people who, through absolutely no fault of their own, are caught in a truly dire situation. Well, well Jamie, tell us, I mean, who, who are we talking about here? What sort of people? Who are the people who are affected? Well, they're people who've just changed job. They're people who are a one-man, one-woman little business. And, you know, I won't go into all the technicalities of it, but because of the rules as they are today, they just didn't meet the criteria to receive some sort of cash support from the government. And I think the very fact that I was, I was astounded to get 192 MPs joining, 150 attended the first meeting yesterday, and I think shows that the predicament of these people really... Uh, you know, got the MPs going on about it. And it's, it's it's nice to see that sometimes we can forget party differences and say, actually, there's a huge problem out there. Uh, we ought to try and do something about it. 
I mean, Jamie, it's a really wide variety of people who are being caught, who are being excluded from the furlough scheme and from any sort of support. But some of them are people who earn over £50,000, which is a lot of money, right? Sure. But at the end of the day, uh, we can fine-tune that, we can look at it. And I think, can I just go back to my cross-party group for a second? Um, what we are going to do, and uh, we're going to meet every fortnight, is to try and identify, you know, possible solutions to the people who are caught in the most difficult position of all and cost them and come back to the government with that. That, I hope, is a constructive approach. But at the end of the day, the, we cannot have... And I, you know, a couple came to me some months ago saying, look, we have a one, one taxi, one car little firm. We've had nothing whatsoever, and we're going to, probably going to have to sell our house. And so that's, that's really why I'm doing what I'm doing. Jamie, can I move you on to the more general question, though, about the direction in which the government is taking this? Because we've got a lot of very big numbers out there. We've heard about support for the entertainment industry, the arts. We've heard about support for green initiatives. I mean, a lot of these things are the kind of things that normally your party will be very much in support of. So just, just give us a sense. I mean, do you feel that uh, Rishi Sunak is taking the right course in more general terms? I'm going to be absolutely fair about this. I think he's done some good things. Absolutely. And I've been on the record and said that. Um, at the end of the day, I think the crisis, in a way, we have to kind of forget party politics on this one, particularly when it comes to the financial rescue package. Um, what I'm trying to do is say, look, there are one or two, well, actually, there are three million loose ends here. Could we please try and tie these ends up as well? But um, yes, I think that uh, I would also use this as an example of why I think the union between Scotland and England and the rest of the United Kingdom is important because. Um, and this is a really party political point. I do not think that an independent Scotland could have coped financially in the way that HM Treasury has managed to do. Uh, but, but talking about independent Scotland, you have to accept that the Scottish government seems to have handled this very well. If you look at the the, the level of new cases, it's it's very different to what you're seeing in England. It's very that is very true in terms of the perception. Uh, time and again, my constituents say to me uh, in the north of Scotland. Um, Nicola Sturgeon is doing, you know, I don't like her politics, I don't like anything to do with independence, but she's been competent in the job. And then in the same breath, they turn to Boris Johnson and say, uh, you know, this guy, what's going on here? What's all this? Is Dominic coming? What's all that? And, um, you know, they maybe they say all comparisons are odious, but it is being said out there and uh, it is a fact and I don't deny it. What about uh, the more general picture in terms of where support should go? Because there's inevitably a finite cake to be divided, however much the uh, the national debt is increased. Do you feel that it's right to give as much as seems to be being given, for example, to the arts, to entertainment, when perhaps one could argue that there's a lot better cases, for example, in completely revamping uh, the, the, the care system? I mean, in the end, where are the priorities right? I personally do feel that the care system needs to look at very, very closely indeed. Um, we shall see what emerges. I think in the fullness of time, there will be inquiries both in you know, England and the UK and the Scotland as to what happened here. We had the shocking outbreak of the virus in a care home in Skye. And we need to know what exactly happened there and why did so many people die. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take... I, you know, I think on the arts front, the arts have played an important part in keeping people's morale up, our spirits up. And at the end of the day, you have to remember that the arts simply does contribute to the economy of the country. And if you take the cancellation of the Edinburgh Festival, that has been a real disaster for you know, the local economy of Edinburgh. So, but you're quite right. I think that getting the balance right is a really, really tricky one. And I think the best thing the Chancellor can do, and he may well do it, 
to get into more of an open discussion uh, with uh, members from other parties. And I hope that the cross-party group on, on, you know, excluded might be all part of that process. What about the next step when it comes to paying for all of this? What do you think the best way of doing that is? I think it's going to have to be straightforward of a public sector borrowing requirement. It's simple as that. Um, luckily, the market seems to be quite, you know, healthy in that front. So obviously, you know, people, investors or people, you know, guilt and all that, that seems to be OK. Um, but yes, we are going to have a period where the national debt is going to be huge. And it may take a very long time to pay it off and to square the books again. But at the end of the day, we're just going to have to go down that front. Um, it, it is in a similar way, in a sense, to the, the banking crisis of a few years ago when, you know, again, borrowing had to go up. Uh, what I find most interesting is what the government might be saying or is not saying about how we deal with this increased debt. And, you know, we hear people ruling out austerity or another form of austerity. Um, we, are, are they going to raise taxes we don't know, but I suspect they probably will have to at the end of the day. Jamie, take us inside your constituency, because it is very interesting. It's Caithness, Sutherland, Easteros, quite a remote, quite a rural constituency, quite difficult in some cases perhaps for communications. Uh, how has this crisis really affected your constituency and the businesses, the farms that exist within it? Well, I think the most dangerous effect, um, and it's, it's dangerous on all fronts, but one that really particularly worries me is that the local economy, my constituency, relies on tourism. Absolutely. They, you know, we have the North Coast 500. People come from all over the world to see the beautiful, beautiful constituency. And yet, um, you know, uh, we hope the tourism business will open in just a few days' time. But the amount of the tourist season that they've got left is very short now before we hit the autumn, before we hit winter. Therefore, they haven't got enough time, I think, to build up the cash reserves the, the fat, if you like, to season through the winter period when, you know, there's very little trade. And that is why I and indeed others in all parties have written to the Treasury to say, uh, really, on the tourism front, we need to think about a, a slightly more carefully tailored package. So we don't just drop people off the end of the cliff when funding sources run out. But we, we, we look at it from a 12 month perspective to see them through the winter time and to see them uh, into a healthy next year. And the point is this, too, is that if tourist businesses close down, then next year we've got less of a tourism product to offer. And that's extremely dangerous to my constituency. Fewer people will come if there's less, less restaurants, less hotels, less you know things you can pay for to go and do and see. I've got to ask you about the Lib Dems as well, Jamie. You've got a leadership race in the process. Leila Moran, one of the candidates, saying that the party's too old and too white to be electable. Is that something that you recognise? Well, as a Scot... But I am a supporter of Villas indeed, but I would say slight exceptions are Scott to that one. But I think that I think all the parties, and my own party included, have to think about the you know, the fact that there's an awful lot of white faces. We are getting there in the longer run, I think. And I tell you one thing that I have found fascinating. Remember this. I wasn't really supposed to win my election three years ago, and so it was a general astonishment around Britain when this completely unknown bloke got into KFS in Sutherland. Um what I found very interesting in the last few years is how the number of young people who have, you know, joined up the Lib Dems and have got involved. And that is very, very interesting. That, I think, gives me some hope for the future. Um, some of them, the young liberals, ran a, a hilarious campaign to get me leader called Get Stone. Well, we've got to take that one to touch right away. But um, <laughs> there is a sort of an awareness of the environment and issues, exactly as you say, about uh, sexual orientation, about race and so on 
which I think they bring a, a very refreshing uh, uh, side to it, if you like. And I think their role in the leadership election, I do not know which way it'll go, but I think they will play an incredibly important part, the younger members. In, in, and the, uh, sorry? I was saying, in two, in two words, who are you backing, Jeremy? I'm, I have signed Leila Moran's papers. Um, I, I signed Ed's papers last time round. But on balance, okay. I've gone for Leila, but I'm sure if, if Ed wins, well. he'd be a perfectly good leader. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Let's have a look at what else is making news in the world of politics. And we start, Roger, across the world. Yes, well, the Sydney Morning Herald, they're reporting that Dominic Cummings is going to tour some of Britain's most highly classified national security sites as part of his radical plan to shake up the military. The paper has seen internal correspondence, which suggests the Prime Minister's top advisor has requested visits to five classified sites, including the SS headquarters and the labs at Port and Down, which researches, of course, chemical weapons and pathogens. But why in the Sydney Morning Herald of all places? I don't know. And no doubt this is going to ruffle a lot of feathers. Dominic Cummings knows exactly what he's doing here. And we're going to get the usual response, aren't we? Uh, then you've got a story in the iPaper about free parking for the NHS. That's apparently going to be scrapped. Uh, the paper reporting that NHS workers are going to have to start paying at their own hospitals again because the COVID-19 crisis is now easing. Remember, this was a measure that was brought in during the crisis and it's now being taken away, reportedly. Uh, so you're going to have doctors, nurses, carers and support staff all affected. Ministers now confirming they intend to reintroduce charges because they say emergency measures can't continue indefinitely. It's just uh, really highlighting the difficulty of giving something and then trying to take it away again, which is, I think, something we're going to experience a lot as the COVID crisis lessens. Yeah, particularly, I guess, as the furlough scheme begins to ebb. Now, here's a story from the Daily Mail. Now, you remember all the issue to do with care homes being pushed to take hospital patients, perhaps, which uh, who's still infectious with uh, COVID-19. Well, the Birmingham Mail has revealed that some cash-strapped care homes in the city were offered a £1,000 incentive by the council to take in hospital patients to free up NHS beds back in April. The cash was paid out to 16 care homes, each of which had to admit a new resident into their facility within 24 hours without checking first if they had the virus. In total, 489 people were moved from hospital to care homes in Birmingham, while the newly built Nightingale Hospital didn't admit a single patient after it was opened on April the 16th. I've got to say, that's pretty shocking stuff. And it's great to see the Birmingham Mail, a local paper, getting stories like that and breaking It's them. where I began uh, my journalistic career, I'll have really you know. really tell us more? No, no, no. That's, uh, that's a <laughs> 
Well, I mean, it, it, surely this is something that's going to grow because that's pretty yeah. scandalous. But we can end on a slightly lighter note. The maker of a tartan face mask reporting a tsunami of sales, they call it, after Nicola Sturgeon was pictured wearing one. Uh, this is from the Glasgow Times, which says that uh, Scottish First Minister Sturgeon uh, sported this mask during a visit to Fort Canard in Edinburgh. She was outlining new rules in place for shoppers. And the manufacturer, which is called Slange, it's based in Glasgow, said that they went from looking at redundancies to recruiting and they've also managed to raise £30,000 for Shelter Scotland so there's a charitable effort there so ending on a slightly nicer note Indeed, indeed. well let's talk about the main issue today of course which is that speech by Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor of the Exchequer uh, setting out how he is going or planning to take Britain back from the brink in financial and economic terms. Joining us now is Therese Raphael of Bloomberg Opinion. Welcome Therese So I mean after everything that's happened we've heard so much billions on the arts, billions to support green projects, billions to support the young people who are facing joblessness. Is there anything he can pull out of his sack now to actually satisfy everyone when he speaks? I just think it's more billions for a little while longer. I mean, the government's really tried to play down this, uh, well, we've been calling it a mini-budget. Uh, the government's supposed to call it a, a summer economic update. So, uh, but either you know, the it is, I think from, from the chancellor's perspective, it's not the time to stop the spending. And uh, so we've seen new spending announcements trail. They cut to uh, VAT for the hospitality sector, cut to stamp duty to stimulate home buying, especially um, for uh, lower end properties. And the idea is, is just to, uh, to, to, to get the supply side and the demand side of the economy moving again. And I don't think we're gonna see an end to that anytime soon. But, and there's always a but here, the real budget comes in autumn. And then I, I think that's a time when we will need to hear from the chancellor how he's going to pay for this. Is it just uh, with rising debt levels? We already see that um, some warnings from the Bank of England uh, that uh, this can't kind of go on forever. Uh, you know, the bank's balance sheet is already domestic, something like 45% of 2019 GDP. So that's more than double the previous high water mark levels. It's, it's, it's a, a limit to what monetary policy is going to do here, and maybe fiscal policy will eventually run up against its limits as well. Uh, Therese, I've got to ask you about stamp duty. It's a really interesting one, because on one hand, it's mm. not really targeted to, towards the most in need. But on the other hand, it is likely to get people spending. We know how much people love doing up their homes. If they've got a bit, bit of spare cash after the purchase, that is going to be pumped back into the economy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's an awful tax, really, because it, it it sort of gums up the whole housing market. It discourages turnover. It's, a, it's effectively a, um, a you know very very high transaction tax at the high end, but that 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 trickles down through um, all levels. I mean, that said, as my colleague Chris Bryant wrote in a in a piece was published this morning. Uh, there are reasons to be skeptical that this is going to do a lot of good. Um, you know, for one thing, it may bring forward some purchases, uh, but then we might see a dip, uh, you know, once that uh, relief is taken away, which is what happened in the past. Um, it, we could also see some of the relief being passed on in the form of higher prices. That's also happened in the past. Um, so, you know, you can see why the government 
would find this attractive. Um, the hope is that, as you say, it will also not just stimulate purchases, but all of the things, all of the consumption that goes around it from uh, construction to, you know, furniture uh, and, uh, you know, may ultimately kind of, you know, reinvigorate that market, but it also just shows how uh, reluctant the the government is to do anything that would um, that would depress housing prices, that people are so attached to their homes in this country. And what really needs to happen in Britain is a massive building, you know, building spree. And, and Boris Johnson has promised that, but it's not yet been delivered. So the problem in how, with housing in Britain is both the high transaction costs and the shortage of supply. Um, and it's not really clear that this relief is going to, you know, it's certainly not going to do much about on the supply side. Um, it'll be some relief on the transaction costs, but it, it's hard to imagine it having a major effect on, on the housing market um, other than just kind of uh, getting things moving at one end of it. And apart from the detail on what he is actually going to announce, Therese, he is a man who has led, if you like, I suppose, the comforting side of the government, the throw money at everything uh, side, the furlough side, of course. But as the furlough comes to an end, as it will, as we know it will, is Rishi Sunak, do you think, going to become less popular, less, uh, less significant, perhaps less the star of this government? Well, that will be the moment of truth, I think, for a chancellor who's got this unbelievable approval rating now, you know, something like 92 percent. Um, you know, it, it's, it's understandable. I think it's both his temperament and his policies have been very well suited to this moment of crisis. But, you know, as you say, what happens when um, there is no more money to be handed out or the demands, um, the bar keeps getting higher and there become more demands? Uh, you know, can he still keep can he still keep giving? I think on one hand, the public know this can't go on forever. Um, and I think, you know, he's not going to be expected to uh, continue to write checks that are this big. They know the furlough program has to come to an end. So, you know, this is where creativity comes into play rather than, you know, at the moment it's now sort of a, a stopgap measure. Uh, the government is, is, you know, propping up a, an economy that's been you know, deliberately put in deep freeze. What happens in the autumn is they need to ha they need to articulate a vision for how they uh, get the supply side of the economy going again. So there will be jobs that uh, that will be lost as the furlough support gets rolled back. What is the government going to do to create new jobs? And there, I think, will be interesting to see. You know, will they reduce, for example, national insurance um, uh, costs uh, for employers to make it more attractive to hire? Will they uh, spend more money on training schemes? Uh, because we know that that low skill levels, particularly, um, you know, in, in the digital sphere are, you know, an, a, a major impediment for, for hiring. So those are the kinds of things that I think will be, um, we'll have to look closely at in the autumn budget, not just handing out money, but what will they do to, to restructure really areas of the economy that are just simply not going to bounce back out of this, whatever happens in, you know, to the broader economy. Well, how do you handle the next phase of all of this politically? Because we saw from we were talking about uh, parking charges just a moment ago and the outroar on social media for having that perk taken away when it was given just a few months ago. That feels like a microcosm of what we're going to see. Yeah, the, the, yeah, I think the first rule of thumb is do no harm and avoid the kind of um, headlines that, that, that exactly that sort of policy will generate. It was interesting that there was a report that uh, one of the measures Sunak would announce would be uh, that 
employers offering uh, COVID-19 testing for employees uh, could do so, but that would be treated as a benefit in kind, and the employees would have to pay a tax on that, uh, which if you're being tested, say, twice a week in some places, could add up to quite a lot of money, given that each test might be, you know, say, a, a 150 pounds or so. And uh, there was immediate outrage at that uh, prospect um, from opposition benches, and uh, and it was it was quietly scrapped. So I think we'll see uh, the government looking for ways to uh, to reduce the the bill of this, but then you know having to be very careful not to um, do so in a way that, that that causes those kinds of negative headlines. And you know there will also be uh, you know, we'll also have Brexit coming on <laughs> coming back into the headlines just at the point when uh, Sunak is going to have to roll back some of these yeah. measures and become more creative. And that's uh, that that will be I think the mo- you know the real moment of truth. Yeah, the, the Brexit uh, shadow still there in the background, as we know. Uh, thanks very much indeed to Rez Raphael there of Bloomberg Opinion. And don't forget, there will be live coverage of the speech from Chancellor Rishi Sunak here on Bloomberg Radio. And afterwards, of course, tomorrow we'll be analysing it here on Bloomberg Westminster, getting a sense of what it means in terms of the nation's recovery and the policies of this government going forward. As we were saying, they're reaching a difficult moment where they have to withdraw some of the money they're giving. How's that going to go down? You've been listening to Bloomberg Westminster. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.